Welcome to The Perfect Storm, a bi-weekly podcast for business executives and cybersecurity professionals. Industry veterans Michael Markulek and Matthew Webster chat with guests about the latest cyber news, threats, and trends, and how all of it impacts their businesses. Harbor Technology Group is a cybersecurity consulting firm that offers advisory services to the SMB. Harbor believes by taking a proactive rather than reactive approach to cybersecurity, business leaders can develop a cybersecurity program that will address external requirements, exceed client expectations, and ultimately take their organization to the next level. Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. Welcome back to another episode of The Perfect Storm. Michael Markulek here today. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Chris Hale. Chris is from the technology response team, Denver, Colorado. Um, Chris and I had a brief conversation ahead of time, got to know each other, and uh, have decided that this will be a, a, an interesting conversation about the transition from uh, managed services to managed security services and really the needs facing the small and medium business. Chris, thanks for joining us. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and the business? Um, thank you for having me. Uh, so I started out corporate IT in my early 20s, um, basically worked my way through and uh, found it hard to move up within the ranks unless somebody had quit above me. So I ended up going over to the MSP space with some other companies. Um, Kind of didn't like the, what they were doing there. So in 2010, um, one of the guys I worked with um, uh, and I split off and started our own MSP. Uh, at that time, it was more of, uh, there wasn't a lot of a lot of ideas of what that really meant. It was a lot of break, fix, a lot of reactionary type situations. And over time, what we've learned is a much more uh, proactive model, um, which is lend, leads a lot to the security piece of it nowadays, which is basically the core of a lot of what we do. Uh, I mean, support's super important and really is uh, the basis, but the the core pieces that we work on a lot now is pre pretty much security. Um, uh, we've we've grown significantly, no longer do I have a partnership. My partner went back to cor the corporate world. Uh, and all of our experience has really been through uh, learning with our, with our clients the cybersecurity space, but also uh, we we partner up with a lot of other MSPs and MSSPs on how to do things, working together, working with their clients, and it's allowed us to learn a lot of things. Uh, a lot of conferences, a lot of times speaking to a lot of experts, uh, also a lot of late nights and long weekends of helping people survive when somebody's made a mistake within their company or they've left a hole open and going in and fixing it for them and and helping them out so that they don't end up with a couple million dollar bill or having to pay out some sort of ransomware. So, yeah. yeah as, as I mentioned in the, you know, the intro, I mean, this is a little bit of a, you know, a, you know, we've seen that change, right? It used to be break fix on the PC side. It used to be, you know, keep keeping things up and running. Yeah. You know, technology's evolved, you know, keeping your, keeping your PC up and running and keeping connectivity is, is the easy part. Keeping the bad guys out and keeping, uh, Malware off of the devices has gotten to be the hard part. So uh, yeah, and, and, and connectivity. I mean, 
I mean, you get Starlink now. You can connect up. We've we actually have a few Starlinks. If we have a client go down, we can just walk up with one of our mobile ones and get them back up. I mean, connectivity used to be such a pain, and now it's yeah, it's it's nothing. It's just securing that connectivity, making sure that no bad actors can get through there is really the hard part, and really the the part that uh, you find to to be so difficult. And and just uh, as we talk about your client base, are they seeing a lot of pressure for you know compliance work? Is it uh, is it NIST, you know, or, or are they, you know, chasing, um, you know, HIPAA, um, you know, there's a lot of HIPAA. There's a lot of SOC 2. We're running okay. a lot of SOC 2 stuff with some of our, our larger clients are doing SOC 2 audits. And we're actually on quite a few SOC 2s. And what we're finding is, I mean, SOC 2 is a financial audit that focuses on IT, basically. If, I mean, and uh, those are, are, are really difficult pieces to go through the audits and all those things. What we're finding is that more proactive model and um, really concentrating on compliance across the board has allowed us to really create a uh, blueprint on how we deal with those audits across the, for everybody. Just understanding what needs to be kept in what places at all times so that if you need to pull up a report, you have a report, those kind of things. I'm finding more and more clients need to have the, the data and the information and the documentation and processes put together for them. That's a big piece that we're finding. And so I think if you can do that, you can get the compliance down across the board. You just have to understand what documentation is needed at what time. And if you can keep that running at all times and updating, um, we're able to do a lot on compliance and get somebody compliant super fast. But yeah, with our larger clients, we're definitely seeing a lot of compliance-based stuff. Like I said, SOC 2 is another big one. A lot of people are are dealing with that and don't understand the rules in there. And I think you're going to see a lot more. And we have some global clients where you start to run in, I mean, compliance across the board. So. Yeah, I think, you know, we've seen with our client base that um, the compliance is a big driver, right? Whether that's something like SOC 2 or, or you know, uh, PCI or, or or NIST for the, the, the defense contractors. But we're also seeing that, you know, they're upstream uh, clients, right? If they're dealing with, you know, for large pharmaceuticals or if they're dealing with international manufacturers, they're being forced to at least comply to a set of controls if yeah. it's not a formal standard, um, you know, so so we see the compliance is driving a lot in the small and medium sized business space. And to be quite honest, you know, it's it's nice to have those conversations with CEOs, CFOs um, versus trying to battle with an IT guy. So, yeah. And we actually we have clients that aren't that don't need to be compliant yet that we've talked to and said, hey, if you follow the standards now and get the policies and procedures put in place now, when that comes around, you're ready to go. You're not spending hours or days or, or months. You're not paying a ton of money for consultants to come in and set this stuff up for you. You already have it there. You're ready to go. You're prepared. And that also on the other side, if there is some sort of uh, major disaster or attack, you have things put in place already. You have the processes. You have the procedures. You're not winging it. And I think even if you don't have to be compliant, I think it's important for companies as they grow and evolve, especially growth-based companies, is to really focus on those uh, compliance-based uh, policies and procedures so you're ready for things and that's really the the purpose of them in the first place are you seeing a lot of push from uh cyber insurance uh you know kind of pushing controls in place and and yeah wiring minimum standards we have gained clients just based on those things i mean we've had we've signed gigantic contracts just because the cybersecurity insurance is like hey you don't have these things put in place and so we get contact and they're like we need these and instantly done that way i mean uh, I'm amazed at the amount of companies that don't have cybersecurity insurance. Uh, 
we we force at least a two million million dollar policy for all of our clients to have. But when they get out there and they start looking at it, yeah, it 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 definitely forces the space. And uh we do a lot of uh auditing on insurance. So like somebody has uh, goes out to try to get their insurance, they'll send us over their their insurance policy and we'll audit everything and be like, this is what you need to fulfill this. And and it's worked out really well on the business side of things, but also I think insurance is getting really, really smart on how to set these companies up for success against some of these attacks. Well, and I think, you know, for too long, the insurance companies were writing what I consider kind of vanilla uh, policies. Yeah. Uh, and what was happening is that they were covering too much. They were having, you know, ransomware was, was, was running rampant. They paid out too much money. And now the pendulum swung all the way back where they're, you know, denying coverage. Um, you maybe not even issuing coverage unless the uh, unless the clients got their uh, you know their ducks in a row. So yeah, definitely. And I mean, the questions are are deep and probing now. I mean, your average questionnaire can be uh, 10, 11 pages long, yep. and a lot of it's just really, really in depth. Yeah, what for that single sheet to to to, to yeah. now having to fill out a complete. Uh, a complete history. So uh, almost overnight too. It happens so quickly. And this, these companies got insurance companies got tired of paying these things out where some of these simple things could be put in place that weren't there. And so now they're just, I mean, they're going overboard. Even there's some of the things they're looking for are, are even more than is needed. You still see companies trying to insource, you know, security, build it themselves. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have one client right now that, uh, that, that brought in a security officer and then let him go because of an attack. I feel like sometimes, and we've run into this problem too, is bringing in security people. You bring in people that have a lot of uh, certifications. They look really good on paper, but they don't understand business process. They don't understand like how, when something happens, how you've really got to take things apart and understand what the net, how the network set up and what mistakes were made or what things were out there that caused the attack. They just focus purely on the ideas of things. And I think that's been a big issue with that. Uh, we do see some companies trying to bring people in-house for that, definitely. But I do think that outsourcing is becoming a lot more common because you get a lot more real-world experience, but you also get people that that really, really understand what's going on and, and really can help you out. And not only can set your processes and policies to avoid it, but also can be right there with you um, when, it, when something does go down and not just be the consultant that's telling you, well, you need to do this, need to do that. They're in there. They understand the actual uh, technology and the business process needed to to solve the problem and the urgency that is involved with that. And I just don't feel like a lot of security people I've worked with, they, uh, it's a lot of uh, ideas. Like um, we had one that uh, he came in the first time I met him. He was like, well, if we get attacked, I immediately have to go out and like, tell the news agencies that we were attacked. And what he doesn't understand is he's going to ruin that business. What you do is you go to the legal team and start the conversation with the legal team right away and then let them dictate how things go. But because he's read in so many books and got certified in so many things, he doesn't understand there's a, there's a difference in how you deal within the business than what's on the outside and how, I mean, those things need to be done, but the security officer isn't the one that does it. Right. It's, it's interesting. You brought up, you brought up a couple of points there. I, I I talk a lot on cybersecurity. And one of the things I say all the time is, you know, the difference between information technology, right? Your IT team and yeah. information security 
is like the difference between accounting and finance, right? Yep. And if you don't understand the difference between accounting and finance, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be playing in those areas, right? If you don't understand the difference between IT and security, they're closely related, but they're not the same thing. IT is really focused on making sure stuff is functional, make sure you know connectivity's in place, and really kind of what I would consider the nuts and bolts, blocking and tackling. Whereas security is really an executive level function. Yeah. We're talking about things like risk management, vendor management. How much cyber insurance do we need, right? Yep. So those are decisions that really get made on the security side. And I think when we start to have those conversations at a, you know, at an executive level, at a CEO level, um, you know, that that's where they need to be had, right? Because you're tying yeah. the business to the technology and, and the, the tie between the two of them security. So yep. don't know if you agree, but that's kind of the, I actually do. the yeah, message I do think- I've been preaching. I think that's a lot. That's why I was saying that. Like, the, that's where you can really set that stuff on your policies and procedures, and and set your data up correctly, and the things that you have put in place that you work with the executive team to get put in place. That when you do change over to the the reactionary part of it on the more technical side, you've already established those things and you've created that. And I feel like including the executive team is the is the most important piece of that. They so have I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Um, Something you said earlier, you know, sparked my uh, uh, my brain. Um, you know, we do a lot of kind of tabletop exercise for our clients through, you know, working them through kind of incident response. Um, you know, what's your experience been with, you know, small and medium-sized businesses, your client set, you know, in terms of how do they handle incidents, right? Are they getting better at it or are they still, you know, running around like chickens with their heads cut off? I think a lot of them run around with their chick- like chickens with their head cut off. I think there's a lot they haven't um, done the tabletop exercises. They haven't prepared for it. I think that's something that needs to be, it's more of a convincing factor. They don't see it as as important as it really is. Um, they, I mean, they. what's funny about companies is within their, their main business function, they're really process oriented. They're, they understand, they practice out how things are going to be. They practice out their sales processes. They don't realize that that's going to minimize the impact of a uh, disaster if they do it on the other side, if they're right. doing it with security and things like that. I think a lot of them miss that. We do a lot of tabletop stuff too. Um, one of the big pieces that, that we do is we do quarterly tabletops with our clients. Sure. And I think that's super important, but it's only the ones that want to, that are willing to put in the time and be willing to do that. I mean, a lot of them don't want to even take the time to really do that. They, they feel like it's more of a bother and it's hard to convince people of how important it is. Well, you're moving from fire, you know, putting out forest fires, putting out fire, you know, fires in the business to really preventing fires, right? That's, you know, you know, doing tabletops and, and you know, uh, postmortems and after action reviews, those kinds of things make you better. Um, the other thing that you, you just mentioned is, you know, for too long, IT and security haven't been part of the, the same team, right? We, we, we use accounting and we manage our money down to the penny. But as I talk to CEOs, they don't even know what their IT team does. Um, yeah, they're not. You know, there's no metrics in place. Um, there's no KPIs. There, there's just not the same level of discipline that they have on other parts of their business. And I think that's because CEOs and executives either don't understand or are scared to roll up their sleeves and, and get involved. Oh, I agree. And I think compliance is driving a change in that world, though. I think when they start understanding that what they need to have to be compliant within certain areas, 
I'm seeing a lot more CEOs and CFOs. CFOs typically be the, are the ones that we typically see really driving that ship. And uh, I, I feel like it's it's really starting to, to cause that more and more. Um, and I was going to say, I think it's the C, I think the CFO gets it, maybe not yeah. from a, a technology standpoint, but they get it from a risk management standpoint. They understand well, that you know this is a real risk to the business, you know, just like financial risk, just like legal risk. And it needs to be managed. Um, and, and, you know, the, the IT guy, and I, I don't mean to pick on the IT guy, because many of them are very, very good at what they do. But they're not making a decision of, you know, who you're choosing as a vendor or making a decision about how much cyber insurance you need. Right. So, you know, really elevating this to a senior level, I think, is uh, is ultimately what's going to make us the most successful. Yeah, for sure. I think it, I think one of the key parts that we do within our um so our, our VC so piece is executive meetings on a quarterly basis and letting them understand where pieces are, letting them look at the audits that we're doing um, so they can really understand their risk and what's being mitigated as we go through this and allowing them to see the policies and procedures being put in place. So they really have a they have a say in some of the things and they can question. And then when something does happen, they know what's going on. They're not kind of just blown in the wind and hoping that IT is doing something. Right. I, I'm going to pivot one more time, ask you a little bit about, you know, we've seen some real changes over the past uh, five years in terms of enterprise technology, right? Yeah. You know, EDR, MDR, now called XDR, um, you, know, uh, you know, automated patch management. Do, we, do, do you see the small and medium-sized businesses adopting that yet? Or, or do you think they're still lagging behind their, their big corporate brothers? I think... Within the MSP space, we do see that because what's happening is a lot of these executive level companies that offer these things are, are, are creating out, uh, they're getting into that space and allowing MSPs to be able to offer that to their clients a little bit more. I mean, the hard part is uh, some of these things like CrowdStrike and stuff like that are so expensive that some of these small businesses don't want to deal with them or they just can't, don't they can't see it, how to spend the money on that. And a lot of these companies are starting to come around to some MSP pricing where they're able to sell into that. And I'm starting to see more companies get those things working for them. Good. I, um, I think that's that's a needed trend, right? Because, you know, I think EDR, MDR, um, you know, that, that kind of, it's kind of, you know, groundbreaking technology, right? Yeah. Let's stop ransomware, but, you know, you know, while it's occurring and not wait until, you know, oh, yeah. we, it's been locked down. We, uh, we use a zero trust application that uh, basically we had a ransomware attack that was pushed out through a company's Intune. And it shut down every single one of them right off the bat because as soon as they figured out that we discovered them within their system, they kicked off the ransomware. And between the SOC and the zero trust, it stopped it in its tracks. There were a few, and this is, I think this is a big issue that people have, especially people that aren't turning on like the deep scanning on their firewalls and things like that, is that you never know, especially in a larger company, if you have one of those rogue machines that may have been sitting on a shelf that doesn't have all your tools on it. And maybe one of your help desk people or a tech had just plugged into the network. And all of a sudden that if there's some sort of script that's been put out there, loads that ransomware on there and gives it a chance to proliferate throughout the company and get into the shared drives and all those things. So um, what we found is you start getting these softwares pushed out and controlling these things. But if you miss one, it's that firewall that hopefully stops that malicious packet load from really causing an issue. So we look at a very... Uh, we do a very uh, layered approach because there's always a potential for a hole with any one, any one of these technologies. 
I think the most important piece is training your employees. I think what I'm seeing the most of is just uh, tradecraft within the malicious actors too, is that they're using people against themselves and getting around these tools by doing that. Well, and, and AI has made tradecraft easier, right? The ability yep. to, to, to customize emails, to, to, you know, generate, uh, you know, automated responses, right? So, you know, you know, I mean, I hate I hate to say it, but cybercrime's a business, um, and you know they're taking they're taking advantage of the same technologies that we're trying to uh, to use to block them, right? So yeah. AI and some of the automation has made things like spear phishing and you know smishing, right? SMS texting, yep. um, you know, even even creating um, you know personas and people inside of things like LinkedIn, um, you know, th that are AI driven. Um, yeah, you know, just the bad guys are always going to be out there looking for a door. They're always going to be using the cutting edge technology to do so. And I think small and medium sized businesses need to need to kind of wake up and realize that, you know, look, I got nothing against WebRoot. Right. So I'm not I'm not picking on it. But, you know, yeah. if, if, if you're relying on WebRoot as your primary defense mechanism, you're behind the times. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if it's part of your stack and it's your, your lowest level, of your stack, not a big deal. I mean, there's going to be levels above. Uh, a lot of the stuff, a lot of these bad actors are using, um, they're using non-malicious tools, um, IP scanners, things that actually aren't going to be picked up by EDRs and things like that. So, I mean, you got to have other pieces, but you got to have a stack, a layered approach. You need to try to figure things out. Um, but like going back to what you were talking about with, on the AI side of it, the social engineering is getting crazy. I mean, we look at these Vegas attacks where they they went out on social media and used AI to figure out who works for MGM, use the pieces to go out and find out what was going on and then just call into the help desk and, and use that against them and attack these, these massive casinos. I was just there last week and they still aren't back up all the way. Yeah. It's uh, you know, we, a couple of years ago, they had the, um, they maybe it's a stretch of pre pandemic, you know, they had the, the attack in New York city where they, you know, somebody attacked the port authority um, and was able to bring down the the camera system so that they could conduct a physical uh, robbery. Um, so you know we kind of see you know technology being used not just to to try and uh, access money, but to to you know to get gain physical access, gain access into the system so that they can uh, you know cause more harm. Well, that's far more frightening. <laughs> it certainly is. So I'm going to give you a couple minutes. Yeah, you think about, you know, our audience is a small, medium-sized business CEO. If you've got one, two, three kind of ideas for, you know, what they should be looking at, it is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, you know, what should they be talking to their employees about? Just uh, let me, you know, just fire a couple ideas at me. Well, I think employee-wise, I think it's training. I think it's getting in there and having and taking the time to train your employees to look out for the things that are, are going to get catch them. I mean, um. I think that is the base level of everything. I think hackers are always, I think by human nature, finding the lowest hanging fruit is people are going to hit the path of least resistance and hackers do the exact same thing. And the path of least resistance for your company is your employees. And I feel like um, while the tools we were talking about, tools and layering and all these things are super important, the training is really the key piece. And not just like training them once and being like, okay, and I, I said something to them, but having um, regular training intervals that you're dealing with, and then testing those trainings. Uh, shoot out fish, uh, fake phishing emails so that you can test to see who's 
opening these things and those kind of things. But I think that's really the key basis is understanding the human element to this whole thing and what an, what a you can secure your your company super well and have one person go out there and and allow somebody to, to get their password uh use a man in the middle attack with like a proxy to to get through the MFA I mean as much as we talk about uh the tools none of them are are 100% there's no 100% way to protect your company 100% of the time but a way to minimize your risk is to, to to raise that fruit up a little bit, make it not the lowest hanging fruit, make the, the hackers want to go to somebody else to deal with it, make yourself more impenetrable. But if you have employees that are easy to pick on and do things, uh, I feel like that would be what I would tell them to start with is, I mean, it's probably the least expensive piece to start with. And one of the most important um, tradecraft is a huge part of, of hacking all the way around. And part of tradecraft is is convincing somebody to do something that they shouldn't be doing without knowing they did something wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it seems obvious, right. You know, you know, everybody from the Harvard business review to the, you know, Verizon data breach report has said that the best investment you can make is to train your employees. And yet we don't do it. Right. I, I talk to businesses all the time, you know, they wouldn't let a, a truck driver go out without, you know, without, you know, proper training on the truck. You don't allow somebody to operate a piece of manufacturing equipment or a piece of construction, you know, equipment without proper training. But yeah. yet we give we give a brand new employee, you know, a, a, a $3,000 laptop. We hook them to our network and we give them access to all of our data and, and we don't spend the, the, the $50, a year, whatever it's going to cost to train them. And it's just, it's mind blowing to me that, that, that is still, you know, we're still discussing it you now 20 years into dealing with, with cybersecurity issues. Oh yeah. And it's, I, I believe it's uh, as big a problem, if not bigger than it ever was. Yep. Because like I said, I mean, the technology, the tools are getting better, but you're still not training your people. So that hole's still there. <laughs> the technology is getting better. The people just aren't getting smarter. Uh, well, yeah, and, it, and we need I to mean, make them smarter. I think that's the that's the goal here. We still have clients that have been that have had their um, employees get called to buy credit cards, and they go out and do it. The company <laughs> thing, like you're like, how does this even happen anymore? I know. Yeah, I know. it's it's pretty it's, crazy. It's it's interesting, but uh, I think that's what I would tell any small company. I mean, it's going to be the least expensive way to do it. And if you can keep people from clicking on things, uh, responding to weird calls, responding to weird test, text, doing things like that, you're going to have a leg up over the next company over. Because like I said, low hanging fruit, nobody wants to try to take the hardest route. I mean, some people are going to are going to focus on these big companies because they're big payouts. But you can get a lot of little payouts by just having somebody click on the wrong thing. Well, I mean, no, and, I, and I again, I, you know, I speak on cybersecurity and nobody robs banks anymore. They rob convenience stores. Yep. Right? The payoff's not as big, but the risk is so low. Um, yep. Again, that's why that's why small and medium-sized businesses are the tar- primary target for cyber criminals today. Well, I think another thing I would say to them is everybody says, well, I'm too small. I'm not going to get attacked. It's like, no, you are the perfect target because you are small and you're easy to attack. And I mean, if they get in and they can see your banking information and all that kind of stuff, they ransom you. They're just going to ransom you whatever's in your bank account. I mean, they understand how to go in and get the most money out of a small situation. And, you know, a lot of these big companies will survive something like that. Small companies, it'll destroy them. 
And they and, and it, I hear it all the time. It's like, well, we're too small. We're not going to get attacked. Or we really aren't worried about those type of things. And every time it's like, no, this is what you should be worried about the most. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. Those folks that are still putting their heads in the stand, uh, you know, I think from a, a you know a time perspective, uh, you and I don't need to spend a lot of time with them. And I think, no. yeah, I, I use the rough numbers. About a third, of, about a third of the companies out there get it. About a third are just going to put their head in the sand, and it's the third that you know the the, the remaining third where we really can go out and make a difference. So yeah, uh, I agree. So Chris, it's been absolutely fabulous fabulous to have you on today. Um, you know, lot, lots of good stuff, lots of good practical advice for our uh, our small and medium-sized business CEOs. Um, well, thank you for having me. I've, I've enjoyed it, and I've, I've enjoyed talking with you. Great. Um, what we ask all of our guests to do at the end of the podcast, and I kind of warned you ahead of time, is, uh, you know, we're Harbor Technology, uh, and if you've got a harbor, a tropical destination, or, or you know, a beach resort somewhere that you'd like to uh, throw out there, we're... Uh, let us know. And uh, is there a place we can go get a good burger and beer? Which uh, yeah, um, I always I always hack the name Ismarella or Ismarhera um, down in the Key. Almorada. Almorada. I always ha hammer that name. I don't know why. The Tiki Hut right down there, right off the off the road, right there. That's on the beach is awesome. It's phenomenal. Yep. We anytime <laughs> I throw sure up there ahead of time, but yeah, it's a it's a large place, marina, and just a. A great yep. place if you're ever driving to Key. If you're driving to Miami to Key West, it's yep, about the exactly. halfway stop, and it's uh, it is absolutely fabulous. It is. So. And that slow, slow road that takes forever—the two-lane road going all the way down to Key West, where it <laughs> says 35, but you're lucky to do 15. Uh, you don't you don't need to go fast. You put on the Jimmy Buffett and you uh, yep. open up the windows, and you're good to go. Exactly. <laughs> well, cheers! Thank you for everything, um, and, and you know we'll certainly be in touch. Um, yep. last thing it is, uh, trusted response team, Denver, Colorado, Technology response team, I'm sorry, technology response team, uh, Denver, Colorado, um, you know, give, give Chris and his team a call because they're doing great things to help protect businesses in the area. So thanks, Chris. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. We would also like to thank Tom Marshall for the original music. Yes, that Tom Marshall from Fish fame. Harbor's portfolio of services is designed to meet the cybersecurity needs of small and medium enterprises. We offer a range of services from cyber risk advisory to VCSO consulting to meet specific security requirements without putting a strain on your technology budget. If you like what you heard here, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues. We release new podcasts every other week and are available on Spotify and Apple. You can reach us through our website if you have additional questions or suggest a great harbor we should mention on our next show. 